The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living. This show is brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, an interfaith school meant to help you change your world and fulfill your soul. You know, it's interesting when we talk about moving forward in our lives, how much the idea of control has an effect on us. How much say-so do we really have over our lives? What is really going on? Do we, do we say that we're in charge of everything that happens to us? Our current understanding of the law of, of attraction says that every single thing that happens to us is something that we've attracted to us uh, based on our unconscious psychology. Um, it's good stuff, and it's bad stuff, and it's all stuff. We've attracted it to us. Um, do you believe that? Is that what you think is happening? If that's true, then wouldn't consciousness raising bring us to awareness that what we are, what's going on inside of us is creating that attraction? Yeah, I think so. Is that really true? I'm not so sure. I think we have to talk about it. But the thing that's most important for us to understand is that there are definitely things that we can have much more say-so over than we've previously thought. Up until, you know, this past century, we've pretty much thought that fate, destiny, karma, um, things that were out of our control were in control of our lives. We were more or less like the weeds that grew up out of the ground and just sprouted and whatever happened, happened, and there wasn't much we had to say about it. So there wasn't this, um, this idea that we've uh, espoused in the Western culture, particularly in America, of this fierce independence that is one, one makes one's own life, one makes one's own way, and if you don't make it, well, that's just because you're not tough and strong enough and you just need to you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. That idea was one I was raised with, and uh, that was a long time ago when I was raised, but it, that idea is one in which we are being taught that we are supposed to um, uh, grab hold of our lives by just pure strength. Nothing else. Nothing else will make us be okay. Um, and so we have to um, wonder about that. Is that the, really the truth? Is that really what's going on? Is that the sum total of what happens to us? We either have the strength to pull ourselves up by the proverbials, or we don't. And if we don't, well, we're just unlucky. We don't have, you know, that that same um, innate, inborn resilience 
and strength of character that other people have. And we're just, that's just tough stuff. We're just out of luck. That's just how it is. We, another theory is that we got raised a certain way and we're just doomed to live out the way we were raised. Um, we, we, I have people all the time uh, sit on my sofa in my office and say to me, well, that's just the way I was raised. And my response to that is, that the, is that the way you want to continue to raise yourself? Because we do have some say-so about what's happening today. And, and what we tend to believe is that, well, we were raised a certain way, and we're supposed to raise our children a certain way in the same way that we were raised. And, you know, if our parents did fair, we could say, well, that's an okay way of looking at it. It's not quite the fullest way of looking at it, but it's an okay way of looking at it, except that we have to wonder whether or not there is evolution that ever takes place if we just raise our children the way we were raised. Um, I believe that our children were meant to become our teachers, and that is because they are supposed to outgrow us. Otherwise, we don't evolve as a species. I hope that my children will outgrow whatever mistakes I made in, in raising them. I hope that they will move beyond my understanding of life into their own understanding of life. Um, so the challenge to us has to be something more than the way we were raised or some societal acculturation or even over-acculturation in which we are taught that we just got to, you know, buck up and deal with it and uh, just stand tall and be an independent person and make your life productive and pull yourself up by the bootstraps and all those things that we heard as we were growing up. Um, we've also determined that life is a part of a social strata in which uh, the political, socio-economic uh, structure that we live in has all the say-so. And we can meander around within that structure, but we're still controlled in a pervasive manner by that structure. And that's the theory that says, well, excuse me, that people can't get beyond their culture, can't get beyond where they've come from in terms of um, the socio-political economic structure they live in. So if they come from a very poor, um, very uh, politically abusive structure, an oppressive environment, then they're just doomed to live that out. Well, there are many people that believe that, and many of us are compassionately striving toward offering money and time and energy and innovation to countries, what we call third world world countries, interesting, um, interesting title, I think, the third world countries where poverty uh, seems to reign. Um, and so we have these theories about what really is in charge of our lives. And I've just mentioned a few of them uh, as we started the show today. The question is, what is in charge, what or who is in charge of your life? What's going on in your life? What, how much say-so do you believe you have? Because to the degree that you believe you have some say-so, I'm going to go ahead and say you do. So, you know, that belief system is going to be really important, and so you might want to do some research about what it is you really believe. I see a bumper sticker uh, around where I live and work uh, quite a bit that says, question your own beliefs. And I really, really can't say how much I, I believe that, that that is our empowerment is to begin to question our own beliefs. What do we really believe? And I'm not just talking about religion. That's what we typically think of when somebody says the word beliefs. We think of religion. 
sometimes we think of politics, but we often think of religion. And but but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the down home um, beliefs that have to do with your everyday living experience. What do you believe about life in general? What do you believe about your job? What do you believe about your marriage, your partnership? What do you believe about your children? What do you believe about parenting? What do you believe about um, education? What do you believe about um, who you are, your identity, who you think, how, how, who you see when you look in the mirror in the morning? Those are major belief systems we're talking about. And we circle around inside those belief systems all day, every day, and um, quantify and qualify our lives based upon those belief systems. They are, uh, they are the primary influence in our lives. And so I would say that one of the controls, if you will, in our lives is our beliefs. So, for example, if I believe that my identity is one in which I'm a very caring person, I'm very compassionate, and one of the things that I'm here to do is to help, quote-unquote, help others, um, then I'm going to act out that belief. I'm going to uh, use my compassion. Maybe I'll even use it to my own de- detriment. I might even use it to the point where I'm striving to help others who don't want to be helped. I may use it to the point where I'm trying to do things for others that they refuse to do for themselves. I may get into an enabling relationship in which I I enable others to continue to live out dysfunctional patterns because I believe that's who I am. So I'm I'm defining my existence by that. So I I, I want to say that identity, if you've listened to my radio shows at all, over the past almost two years, what you know is that identity is a huge factor in how we see life, in how we determine what we're going to do with life and where we go, how much money we make, what, we, uh, what jobs we have, et cetera, et cetera, the relationship quality that we have. Identity is going to be huge. But identity is a belief system. Identity is all about who I believe that I am, not necessarily who I really am, but who I believe that I am. And so if I am seeing myself as that compassionate, helping person, then it might be, in the most extreme cases of that caricature-like identity, I might see myself as that only, so that if I get angry or if I become um, disappointed in someone or if I become disappointed in life, I might start saying, that I'm not being the good, compassionate person that I am. I might even say I wasn't acting like myself. If I get uh, very sad about something, say, that happened in my childhood, I might say, well, I was just on the pity pot, and I didn't need to be feeling sorry for myself. I needed to just get back and do something good for someone else. I needed to stop thinking about myself and think about other people. When, in fact... I might have been actually having a grief experience that I needed to have in order to complete my my work with my with my family of origin. I might need to really finish up some work there that I haven't done. And if I say to myself, well, I'm just feeling sorry for myself, so then I won't do that work. Because I believe that I'm a helping, compassionate person and I should not be feeling sorry for myself. Um, because I've labeled my grief as feeling sorry for myself instead of labeling it as an honest grief experience, which it could be. So do you see how I'm, what I'm talking about here? It's that, that idea 
this is who I am, and I cannot move beyond the parameters of that definition of myself, because if I do, then I've somehow betrayed myself. And that might be very even more frightening, because I may have attached that identity to my family of origin. I may say, well, that is who they need me to be, and therefore, if I'm not that, then I'm not only betraying myself, but I'm betraying them. So you see how deeply this can go. And it can, it can follow through into all kinds of things like the choices I make about religion, the choices I make about politics, the choices I make about education, the choices I make about money. All of those things can follow, follow how I see myself. So that belief is going to be major, major. But we also need to ask things about how we view life, um, not just how we see ourselves as a part of life, but how we view life itself. What is life? What does that mean? Uh, are we just here for a short time and that's it, and we better live it all now and get it over with? Um, are, we, are we living out some kind of spiritual part of a, uh, a constituent particle, so to speak, of a whole unit that's operating in ways that maybe we don't always understand, but we're a part of it? Um, are we... Are we living alone? Does life is is life all about being just alone and tough and strong and striving to get through and then you die? Um, is life suffering and then you die? What is life? What is life? And you know we may give lip service to something that's different from what we actually believe. We may be saying, "I believe that life is good and." You know, people love each other, and there's some good stuff that happens, and there's some bad stuff that happens, and there's some um, kindness out there, and those kinds of things. But, but really, down deep inside, I don't believe that at all. So we have to go deeper to find out what we believe. And we're going to talk about this some more right after the break, so stay tuned. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. 
tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor in sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor in sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living, uh, talking today about whether you, your life is raining all over you or whether you're raining all over your life. Um, we were talking in the first segment about your belief systems, and I want to be clear that that's not all that's going on. Um, that's, our belief systems are extremely important, but other people's belief systems also impact us. So we are impacted by life, and we impact life. Um, it is not, is, it's not, in my opinion, it is not true that everything that happens in our lives is a direct result of just the only thing that's happening is um, that we are attracting something from our unconscious or from our conscious. And part of that is, as we talked in an earlier show uh, about revising the law of attraction, which I do believe is true, but uh, perhaps we need to alter our understanding it a little bit. Part of it is that... We have this belief in judging things, and the Buddha talked a lot about this, uh, the idea that things, everything that happens in our lives, we, we judge it, we qualify it, we quantify it, we say how much, how, how high, is it good, is it bad. We decide upon what it means. We, we give it a meaning. We attribute um, meaning to certain events in our lives, mostly all of our events in our lives. And so we say... You know, I lost my job. Well, that's a bad thing. Well, I don't know whether it's a bad thing or not. Uh, it may be. It may feel like a bad thing. It may feel like a grief experience. And that's certainly valid, and we certainly do need to find expression for those feelings because in the expression of those feelings, we might be able to find what our next step is. 
but um, that doesn't mean the experience itself is bad, nor does it mean it's good. It just is what is. And so, you know, if we look at that and we say, oh, that's a negative experience and there's just so much negativity in the world and, you know, that we're, you know, don't listen to the news because if you listen to the news, it's going to tell you that there's some bad things out there. Well, really, the news is not telling us that there's bad things out there. How we interpret the news is telling us that there's bad things out there. So our belief systems have everything to do with how we're interpreting what's going on out there. So interpretation is huge, and it's usually based on our belief systems. Um, is an event positive or negative? It has no uh, positive or negative. It's a neutral event. All events are neutral until we give it a label, and that is how it, we, we determine it's going to fit into our lives. This will fit into my life as a bad thing. That will fit into my life as a good thing. And, and that is how we decide how we're going to handle these things in our lives. But if we could treat everything that happens... Um, externally and internally as neutral, then we could use it. Then we can find a use for it in our lives. Um, this, is a, this is in part how we've begun to treat the law of attraction. Oh, well, don't think any negative thoughts. Think only positive thoughts. Well, I can tell you of an experience in my own life. I remember, um, you know, they say that what you're supposed to do with the law of attraction is you're supposed to um, think about it, think positive thoughts, you're supposed to uh, imagine yourself in a positive scenario, feel all the feelings that you might feel in that positive scenario, and then it will happen. And, and, you know, I don't have anything against that. I think that's great. I think we do need to do that as much as we can because it will uh, help us to uh, imagine uh, how we're going to get to where we want to get to. However, living the moment gets left out so many times when we're doing that. And so we get caught up in the future possibilities and we miss out on what's happening right now inside our own feelings because we're trying so hard to think positive that we might miss out on what's called a quote-unquote negative thought, which might contain real answers for us if we'd stop calling it negative. So you see, that's what I'm saying. We're, we might be missing out on some life experiences because we've labeled it, we've interpreted it based upon our belief systems. Um, if we, If we're... In that experience that I was about to describe a moment ago, here's what happened. Uh, when I was a child, um, you know, a 9, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old child, my chore in my home was to, to empty the trash cans into the outside trash can, um, which the garbage man would pick up, and there was an alley behind my house where I had to go and empty the trash cans. I very often would postpone emptying the trash can cans, and my mother would come around and say, you didn't empty the trash cans, and I would have to go empty them when it was dark outside. Well, we had a long backyard, and I had a vivid imagination, so you're already thinking what I was doing. I was imagining there was a big, horrible man out in the back, in the alley, who was going to kidnap me and kill me or do some horrible thing to me, and now that's way in the, before the days when kidnappings were a common occurrence, so I don't know where I came to that idea, but I did. And so what happened is that I would stand outside my um, honeysuckle-covered gate trying to peek through and see if that man was out there. And then I would slowly step through the gate, and then I would... Uh, now, the whole time I was terrified that that man was going to be there, and the hair on the back of my neck was standing up, and I just knew he was out there. I could see what he looked like. I could smell him. Um, I could even feel him dragging me away by my by my neck and how my heels were dragging on the ground behind me. Now, that's some vivid uh, law of attraction work, don't you think? But guess what? No man was ever in that alley. 
No man ever kidnapped me. Nothing like that ever happened. Now, you could say I would have drawn a negative experience, and you might look at my later life and you go, oh, well, you know, maybe that happened later because, well, I was never kidnapped. (laughs) There was no man in any metaphorical or literal alley ever. So attributing our... um, our, what we have in our lives to our ability to either think positive or negative might be way too limiting. In, in fact, the law of attraction might mean something far deeper, that we're attracting something that will bring us to our wholeness. So, uh, but rather than go into that today, what I really want to talk about is that whole idea keeps us from recognizing that there is a kind of reigning uh, precipitation that occurs in our lives, and there is a kind of reigning in which we are ruling our lives. Both are happening simultaneously. It's not either or. It, it's both and, as it is in so many things. So let's talk about the rain in our lives. What kinds of things happen that make us feel like somebody's raining on our parade? Well, you know, we tried after a job we really, really wanted, and we didn't get it. Uh, I've certainly had that happen in my own life and been disappointed by that, but it turned out that I really didn't need to have that other job. What I needed to be doing was was pursuing a private practice. Um, I had a job at one point where I looked for a... uh, I was unhappy in the position I was in, not by the tasks, but because of the politics that were operative in the environment I was in. And for two years... I looked for a job somewhere else and did not find them and got several bites but didn't find one until finally just before I was uh, leaving that job, just before I was about to leave, I did find another job and went on to that other job and then ended up going from there to my private practice. So um, what, what happens is that in the process of expectation, I'm expecting that I should find another job it's supposed to happen this way. I should have another job. And I didn't get that other job, and so I was disappointed. And I was grieving, and I was very sad. In the process of grieving, however, what I discovered was a deep inner longing to just counsel people and write. I remember saying that so many times. All I want to do is be a counselor and write. Well, guess what? Now I'm a counselor and I write. So it... it, it it happened just like it was meant to happen, but I didn't see that at the time. Was I uh, thinking too negative? Was I thinking not positive enough? Was I drawing this from the unconscious? Was I not finding jobs because I was just not doing the law of attraction right? No. I was attracting to myself the most real thing, and that's ultimately what happened. So in that process of self-discovery that took me through some grief and disappointment, I got to deeper and deeper levels of myself and began to understand that, no, this is what I really want to do. I don't need those other jobs. What I really want to do is this other thing, and now I'm doing it. So we close doors on ourselves when we say, well, this experience that's painful should not be happening to me. It should not be happening to me. I should have another experience. And furthermore, the law of attraction tells me that I'm doing it all wrong if I'm not having that other experience. So, again, I want to say I'm not saying the law of attraction is bad, but I do think we have a lot of, of, of misguidance about what that really means to us. And we could be damaging ourselves more by insisting ourselves into a certain slot of thinking that says, oh, well, we have to think only this way or bad things are going to happen. 
we can rub that that rabbit's foot raw and still not experience change. And you've seen it, I've seen it, we all seen it that sometimes change just doesn't happen when we want it to happen. No matter how hard we want it to happen, no how men are no matter how many vision boards we make, no matter what, it doesn't happen until it's time for it to happen because we're ready for it to happen because we're open to it to happen. So this process is not about um, saying to ourselves, we have to get ourselves into a certain frame of mind. That's still more of the Western mindset that says, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, deal with it, get on with it, think positive, you'll have what you want. And that might not always work for us. It might be a gentler road we need to take. We'll talk some more about this right after the break. Stay tuned. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh, There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with more on Authentic Living. We're talking today about whether or not you are rain, life is raining all over your life or if you are raining over your life. 
And what we've discovered through uh, the process of discussing our belief systems and the way we interpret life is that we're, we're beginning to get on the fringes of understanding that perhaps it's both. Perhaps life does rain on us and perhaps we also rain over our lives simultaneously. Because, here's what I believe. I believe that there's a deep inner part of us that is not just ugly shadow material that we say, oh, well, um, I've got this shadow and maybe it's making me have bad things. Maybe it's sabotaging my life goals and I'm not being able to get what I want because there's this bad part of me that's sabotaging me because it doesn't have good self-esteem or et cetera, et cetera. But also in the shadow, which Carl Jung said the shadow was the entirety of the unconscious. So it contains everything that we don't know about ourselves, everything, both positive and negative as we think of it. Um, So we also have within the shadow our own souls, our own real true life, river of life energy. And that is what is actually running our lives. Just like we've said in, in previous shows, we've talked about the roots of a tree that actually give energy to the tree and that without the roots of the tree, there is no tree. It doesn't, it doesn't live. So, and it's very hard to kill the roots uh, of a tree. I've spent the, uh, part of the time this past weekend trying to dig up small little trees to plant into some places where some other trees had fallen due to storms and um, even the smallest little t- trees had these huge tap roots that were like, you know, a foot long, and even though the tree itself was maybe a couple of inches tall. Um, so it's very difficult to, to kill a tree. You have to dig all around the outside of the tree and then actually get that trap root all the way up before it will, you will be able to kill it. And the um, metaphor stops there, of course, because trees do eventually die, and we eventually die as well, but we don't die, die. We just move to another uh, realm of existence. But um, the, the, the idea is that there is a deeper part of us, perhaps a part underground that we can't see that is actually in charge. It is actually reigning over our lives. It, is, it isn't true, in my opinion, that we live, uh, with this, we live in this external body with this tiny little soul inside of us. Rather, I believe that the external body is living inside the soul, so that there's this big round square, whatever you want to think of it, um, soul that contains the body and the life of the individual. And it is really in charge, so that it is really doing the attraction work, and it is really doing calling us to higher places. And not only, not only does it require that we respond, um, even though we don't always respond, it not only does it require a response from us, but it also attracts to us those events that will require a response from us. So we are being drawn to and are drawn by circumstances, events, um, uh, habits, thoughts, things like that that are going on inside of us and outside of us that are going meant to help us evolve into a deeper understanding, a deeper awareness, a deeper connection to our own souls. Um, so that we're united, soul, body, mind, spirit, all as one, instead of split off, which is uh, part of the duality experience that we've talked about before. We came here to have an experience with duality so that we could eventually say, you know what, duality is not really true. It's like, you know, when we're a te- when you're a teenager, you have to date somebody that you just think is, oh, the most wonderful person in the world, and 
fall madly in love with that person only to find out maybe even six months later that, nah, that one's not it, next. Uh, so that's kind of the way we do our lives. We, we, are, um, we are, uh, fall in love with various aspects of living or we are detra- distracted from certain areas of life. And all of that has to do with some core part of us that is kind of saying, okay, well, this, is, this can be a direction of your life. If you're listening, you will um, evolve toward it. If you're not, you'll, you'll still ev- eventually evolve closer to your soul. Maybe not this lifetime, maybe not next time, lifetime, but eventually in one incarnation or another, you begin to catch up, become aware, wake up to your soul's urgings, your soul's callings. But it doesn't stop orchestrating events in our lives that um, can actually help us to begin to wake up to that. And the purpose is that waking up experience where when we had what we originated with as the duality experience uh, in which we felt like we were split off from our souls, we eventually reunite and say, okay, just like the kid who falls in love um, and recognizes that, no, this wasn't the one, we're going to eventually recognize that no duality isn't it. It's not really the truth. There are no positive and negative experiences. There's just experience. Um, we're not we're we're not separate from the divine. We're not separate from our own souls. We are one with our own souls, and nothing is happening in our lives that isn't um, inside that bubble, or if you will, that is our souls. Nothing can come in there that our souls don't permit to come in there. So if we can think of this in deeper terms, then what we begin to understand is that we're being drawn to deeper life, deeper and deeper life all the time. And that is the attraction. That is the law of attraction in work. And it is, it is bringing us to our truest, deepest nature. But we don't often see that. And so we, we label all of our lives in terms of the positive or the negative. That was a very bad year. This was a very good day. I had a couple of good days this week. I had a couple of bad days this week. You know, we, we, we decide what's going on in our lives based on our own interpretations. And our own interpretations can be very, very limited because they're based on our belief systems, which are also very, very limited. And those belief systems are based further on the duality, what I call the duality trance state, which is a state in which we see all of life as split off from itself. We're split off from each other. We're split off from life energy unless we go pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and do something really strong and important. Uh, we're, we're split off from our souls. We're split off from the divine. We're split. We're just, you know, all these little pieces. There's no unity. There's no, it's all random little pieces wandering around trying to grab hold of something that will make life mean something. Well, life already means something. We don't have to make it mean something. It does mean something. What it means is life. It is the river of life that runs through us, around us, over us, and um, it rains on us sometimes, and we rain it. We, we, as a soul, rain over it. And so both things are happening simultaneously, and one is working with the other in conjunction with the other, in cooperation with the other, Neither are operating separate and distinct from the other. Um, this is hard for us to wrap our minds around because we're so we're so acculturated to the Western belief system that says, you know, 
you're a separate person and you got to survive and what here's what you do to survive you make money you you know you uh, you find some meaning in a relationship you have some children and then at the end of your life you can look back and go yeah that was a good life and if you don't do those things you're just going to be miserable and you have to you know then you're you you're getting what you asked for because you just didn't pull yourself up by the bootstraps and make it happen and if you're a strong person you'll make it happen and if you're a weak person you won't make it happen because you're just weak and that is our western belief system based on that rugged individualism that says um, that each person is an island who has to struggle on his own and yet we have another operating force within our lives most of us are connected to somebody who impacts our lives. Most of us love some people intensely. Most of us are very uh, uh, connected to people who help us, who need our help, who are impacted when we are upset, who are impacted when we are happy, who, who we impact in the same ways. We're, we're not rugged individualists, and yet we still have that belief system down in there that is contradictory to that other real-life experience it says, oh, no, but you have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and make it happen or it's never going to happen. Now, here, I want to be real clear. I do believe that we are the creators of our lives, but not just based on uh, the idea that my rugged, individuali- rugged individualism is making me create my life, but rather that my soul is creating my life. And I can join my soul or I can resist my soul. But either way, I'm still in a creative process with my soul that is ultimately going to have me joining my soul again in what Carl Jung would call a a conjunctio, a, a, a marriage of the various aspects of who I am. He he put it in terms of the masculine and the feminine that would ultimately marry the, the left brain and the right brain is, is the way we think of that today. Um, the, the idea of, of creativity and giving, uh, I mean, and receiving as uh, opposed to the idea of, of going out into the world and taking and, uh, and also giving. Those, those things are going to merge in a marriage of sorts. Um, but also our belief systems are going to merge with other belief systems that seem rather contradictory to them. We're going to realize that we are, life is both reigning on us and we are reigning over our lives. Those things are going to join into a union of understanding that says that it's not either or, it's both and. The, ultimately, the end of this project called Planet Earth will mean that we have united in our understanding. That doesn't mean there aren't individuals in the constituency of the wholeness I am an individual. I'm very different from anyone else on this planet. You are very different from anyone else on this planet. And nobody can give to this planet what you came here to give. Nobody else can ever do that but you. And you may be giving energy or time or love or patience or or you may be giving trouble. You may be giving all kinds of things. But whatever it is that you're giving, nobody else on this planet can do it just like you. So you are different, but you are also a part of the fabric, the tapestry that is the whole unit, a whole big soul for all of us to participate in. 
We're going to be back in just one more moment to talk about this and finish up this topic today. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. The self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit... A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for the final segment of Authentic Living today. I want to tell you before we go any further that I'm going to be gone for the next two weeks, um, and we're going to do some re- uh, special encores for two of the uh, shows that we've had previously. One of them is going to be the show that we did previously with Dr. Clarissa Pincola Estes, 
We're going to be repeating that again next Wednesday. And on the following Wednesday, we're going to be doing a special encore for Joan Borsinko's show on It's Not the End of the World. So uh, please tune in to those shows again next week, next, over the next couple of weeks and um, really enjoy. Uh, you don't, I've listened to some of these uh, radio shows again and again, and every time I listen, I get something new and different out of it because these people that I'm talking to are simply amazing. I love listening to uh, Clarissa Pinkola Estes and also Joan Borsinko. Their wisdom is just amazing. So tune in again for the next two weeks for the special encores of those two special people. Today we want to finish up talking about our topic of is life reigning over you or are you reigning over life? And what we've said is that both things are happening simultaneously because actually your soul is in charge of what's going on in your life and it will attract to you things that will reign over your life so that you can reign, so that it, the soul, can reign over your life. Um, so, uh, so okay, what do we do with that information? Okay, so we know, uh, so let's say you actually believe me today and that you really do believe that your soul is in charge. Well, first thing that happens with that knowledge, in my experience, is that we begin to relax a little bit. We begin to go, okay, I don't have to strive so hard. I don't have to kick myself around uh, to tell myself that I'm supposed to be doing X, Y, or Z, and if I'm not, I'm failing. And the things that are happening in my life, well, they're happening because I haven't done it right, and I've done it all wrong, and I'm, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I'm just this failing person, and oh, my goodness, I'm doing it wrong, and I need to do something different. And, you know, while I agree that sometimes we definitely need to do something different, especially when we're in very difficult circumstances or abusive relationships or things like that, I think we can let up on ourselves a little bit here if we recognize that we've been attracted to these life circumstances in order to help us to grow and evolve further into our own souls. And I think that gives us a little bit of peace. We can we can cease striving and know that we are God. We can cease striving and know that the soul, our divine self, is in charge. And um, and we are going to be able to gain something from this experience if we tune in. And that's the big if, if we tune in, if we start listening, if we pay attention, if we uh, decide to become more and more conscious of that soul energy. Have you ever seen a tree in the forest grow funky? You know, I call it growing funky because, you know, we. I, I used to hike a lot, I still hike sometimes, and uh, one of the things that I've seen is you walk through along this pathway and there's a tree that's growing straight up from its trunk, and then all of a sudden it takes this hard right-angle turn to the left or the right, and then about a few feet later it takes another hard right-angle turn straight up. And it looks what I call it a bench tree. It's because you could sit on that little flat place where it's taken the hard right-angle turn in the first place, and then there's another hard right-angle turn upward. So you can sit on that like it's a bench. What was happening? Why did, what, how, why did that happen? Well, uh, botanists explain that by saying that the tree was reaching for the sun, and once it found the sun, it started growing straight toward the sun again. Uh, the original part of the tr- bottom part of the trunk where the roots are was placed in a place where there was not any sunlight. So in order for the tree to gain better access to the sunlight, it reached. Uh, we see this with our plants all the time. They will reach toward the sunlight. So that's what was going on with the tree, and once it found the light, it moved on straight to the light. Our lives can be like that sometimes. We can be growing straight up in a certain direction, and all of a sudden we have to take a hard right-angle turn, and then, you know, once we've found what we're looking for, we've got to take another hard right-angle turn 
straight to what we're looking for. Okay, Does, is that a bad thing? I mean, we may look a little different. <laughs> we may look kind of funky like that tree. But actually, uh, that was the roots were the, were the commanding force there. They were the, the, the roots were saying to the tree, hey, look, you're not getting enough light. Go over there and get the light. You know, I mean, you know, if, tree, if roots could talk, that's what they'd be saying. Um, and so the tree reaches and goes to get the light. Without the command from the roots to do that, the tree would have just stood there in, a, in no light. Now, those are botanistic commands, if, if there are such things. But uh, it, it, what happened was it did what it needed to do to go to, li- to continue to live, to stay alive. Well, sometimes our lives do that. Sometimes, in fact, for example, um, we are raised in dysfunctional homes where there's not enough light. And so we have to put on another identity. We have to pretend to be something we're not in order to stay alive in that home. So uh, I might become the family scapegoat or the family superhero or the family uh, victim or the family bully or the family um, uh, runaway or... um, in Peter Pan, um, I can be all kinds of things that I'm actually not, but I do that in order to get myself to a place of light. Okay? So now 15 years later, I'm, you know, 25 years old, and I, I begin to say, wait a minute, this isn't who I really am. Well, guess what? Now I've gotten to the light. Now I've gotten to adulthood. I'm okay now. I can protect myself. I don't have to worry about getting abused by my father anymore because he's not going to hurt me anymore. I'm big. Um, So now I can go toward the light more directly. I can now be more who I am if I'm willing to listen. Now I can make that hard right angle turn that takes me directly to the light. Was I wrong to put on that mask and costume in the first place? No. I did what I had to do. I did what I thought was going to make me okay. I was going to survive better because I wore this mask and costume. But now I'm in the light, and I can move more directly to the light. So, you know, one of the things that I hear clients say all the time, well, that's the way I've always done it. And my response to that is, that is, is that the way you want to keep doing it? <laughs> we tend to think in terms of forever. If I've always done something a certain way, well, that's the way I guess I'm going to always be. If I've always been lonely, well, I guess I'll always be lonely. If I've always been kind of depressed, well, I guess I'll always be kind of depressed. These things are not true. They're not valid. So what we need to know is that though we may grow kind of funky sometimes, though we make all kinds of mistakes, still we are the the soul within us, the soul that we are within, is actually reigning over our lives. Okay, so tune in again next week for an encore of Clarissa Pinkola Estes. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.